This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Volkbaum. And uh, we're, we're talking about hot dogs, you guys. We made 12 pages of an outline about hot dogs. Yeah, it's it was unexpected and delightful. Lauren and I were like, hmm, what's a, what's what's a shorter topic easy? we could tackle for, for the 4th of July here in the U.S. of A? And well, it turns out hot dogs <laughs> was not a short topic at all. And we should have known better. Every time we say that, it's, yeah... Yeah, we have not successfully picked a short topic yet. Um, But yes, the 4th of July, as we record this, is approaching in the U.S. This is our Independence Day, which for me means running a race. That's right. Yeah, the Peachtree Peachtree Road uh, Marathon. Is it a full marathon? You know, it's not, but I thought it was for years, and that's why I didn't participate for (laughs) many years. Because it's summer, it's really hot. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be running a marathon um, in, what, 90-plus degree humid weather. It's just a, it's a 10K. Oh. The world's largest 10K. Ooh. Yes. Goodness, my gracious. Yes. Um, but hot dogs are a big part of most people's 4th of July celebrations. Yes. Yes. Um, and shout out to local hot dog vendor, Doggy Dog, who let us film with them once. Our long-lost food stuff promo video. Oh, some... One of these days, we really will get a copy of that out where you guys can see it. Yeah, because otherwise people are going to believe, they're not going to believe we ever made one. I mean, you know, I, I think that some things are okay relegated to the halls of myth. 
foodstuff myth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, a hot dog has been in the news lately. It has. Um, a single hot dog. <laughs> yeah, just one. Just the one. <laughs> you probably have seen some some stories because it caused quite a kerfuffle. A couple of weeks ago at a baseball game, a hot dog fired from a hot dog cannon. We have those mm-hmm. in the States. Uh, operated by the Philly Fanatic. And yes, that is that big green monster. I mean, maybe monster is rude. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, this hot dog hit a woman in the face, gave her a black eye. And the headlines were like, hot dog injury or um, Phillies fan injured by fanatics flying hot dog. It did happen. It did happen. I think it was wrapped in like duct tape. It was. I guess that's how you fire hot dogs from hot dog cannons. But then do you eat them? I'm not sure. It's... There are many questions. She, uh, the woman who got hit, was fine. Oh, yeah. Um, and she was pretty... Um, She's not suing or anything. No, she was very nice. Nice. I mean, she she kind of laughed at the whole incident. Also, before we move on into our, our what is its portion, never forget hot dogs in aspic. Oh, hot dogs in aspic. We're, like, loosely planning making one of these and trying it, but... Uh, well, we'll let you know how that goes. Absolutely, yes. There will be photographic evidence of one kind or another. Absolutely. But in the meanwhile... Hot dogs. What are they? That is a great question. And I'll answer it for you. Yay! A hot dog is a tube of fine ground meat, usually beef or beef and pork, seasoned with stuff like coriander, mustard seed, pepper, nutmeg, clove, paprika, garlic, sugar, and salt, usually cured, sometimes smoked, pre-cooked before sale or use. The meat and seasonings may be contained by a natural or artificial sausage casing, but modern hot dogs are frequently made skinless or uh, formed uh, without a containing membrane when it gets to you. That sounds like something out of a horror movie. A containing membrane? A containing membrane. Ooh, terminology. Uh, hmm. the, whole, <laughs> the whole thing is uh, savory, salty, spiced, a little bit sweet. They're usually served hot, either on a long bun as a type of sausage sandwich, or sliced as an ingredient in a savory dish. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a type of pre-cooked sausage. Simply, yes. Yeah, simply if, you, if you just want to say things simply. Lauren looks like that would be the most foolish and ridiculous thing to want to do (laughs) as she says this. They can also be called a frankfurter, a frank, a wiener, or a weenie. Mm Mm-hmm. And the difference between sausage and hot dog is essentially that sausage is a more generalized term for a casing of ground meat, herbs, and spices. A hot dog, on the other hand, is a type of sausage that is smoked or cured or otherwise cooked. If you're confused about the difference there... Um, And there are so many different types, and people like to argue about the best types or what constitutes even a hot dog. You've got Chicago-style, New York-style, the Coney dog, the works. Red Hots, Red Snappers, Half Smoke, Polish Boy, Italian Dog. There's a lot of different meats that can go into hot dogs. All beef is common, as I said, but so is that mix of beef and pork. All pork isn't unheard of. Other meats might get mixed in as fillers, like chicken. There's also turkey dogs, tofu dogs, caribou dogs. You could toss veal or bacon in there. Honestly, anything goes. Yeah. And the casing. Uh, a natural casing, a.k.a. a collagenous layer of intestine from pigs, cattle, goats, or sheep, um, could be used. An artificial collagen casing might be used. No casing at all. 
skinless thing. Um, having a collagenous casing, uh, natural or artificial, will give the hot dog a kind of snap and a little bit of chew when you bite into it, which some people dig and some people do not. Um, artificial casings are more uniform than natural ones, leading to a uh, less lumpy, more standard-sized hot dog. Less lumpy hot dog. Mm -hmm. Mm. And then... And then... There's how you choose to cook them. According to a survey of over 2,000 American adults by Harris Poll for the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council... Oh. ...which is a thing, 63% of Americans grill their hot dogs at home. Although regional varieties, especially those sold by uh, street or ballpark vendors, may be simmered, steamed, pan-fried, deep-fried, etc. Deep-fried. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. Okay. I, I mean, obviously, I guess. <laughs> if you can fry it, it will be fried. I feel like that's a rule somewhere. <laughs> Certainly here in America. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the bun is usually soft white bread, but can be uh, steamed, toasted, grilled, or served fresh with or without poppy or sesame seeds. Mm -hmm. And the toppings. Lordy. Uh You've got condiments, yellow mustard, brown mustard, grain mustard, ketchup, mayo, pickle relish, sauerkraut, coleslaw, salsa, barbecue sauce, hot sauce, celery salt. You've got garden you can put on there. Onions, steamed or fresh or grilled, fresh tomato, pickle spears, pickled hot peppers, fresh peppers, grilled peppers, fried potatoes, extra protein if you want it, chili, baked beans, pinto beans, fish cake, bacon, dairy of some kind, shredded cheese, melted cheese, cream cheese. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. I think in Seattle, that's a lot of that's a lot of topics. Um, you usually wouldn't put all of those on there at once, but you know. Oh goodness! You know someone has. <laughs> I beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that to be true. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, if if you're not from the United States, I you might not be aware of how intense people can be about their hot dog preferences. Or even if you are, because I, like a dummy, thought <laughs> that you put ketchup on there. Oh, and dude. Lauren and Joe, I'm glad I escaped with my life <laughs> and unscathed. <laughs> if lasers could have come out of their eyes, they would have. Uh, the, many Americans have one thing that they consider to be a proper hot dog, and they think that everyone else is is wrong. <laughs> um, in that same survey that I mentioned above, actually 71% of Americans said that they use mustard as their preferred condiment of choice. 21% um, said that ketchup is unacceptable. Unacceptable. On a, on a hot dog. Not even, like, unwanted. No, unacceptable. This sounds very American. <laughs> I think this is a good portrait of how we are. <laughs> kind of uh, very uh, opinionated, and we'll fight you to the death about that opinion. Yeah, yeah. According to me, a hot dog is only a hot dog if it's on a toasted bun, and it has to have brown mustard and sauerkraut. Oh, okay. Haven't had it that way. Oh, man. It's the only way to. It's the only way. It's the, it's the only, only way. So to I have haven't it. had a hot dog. You haven't yet, had a is hot what you're dog. Telling me. That's what I'm saying. My family used to do this <laughs> thing where she, my mom had like a platter, and, and there were just a bunch of compartments in the platter, and she uh -huh. would put in like all of the kinds of condiments that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And um, as a kid, I used to always think it was funny how everyone had a different 
no one left with the same hot dog. Oh, yeah. Like, some people would put almost everything on there. <laughs> some people would put nothing on there. Some people would put, like, two things. It was just really interesting because people have their preferences. Yeah. And they know what they are. There's definitely someone in my family. Um, he liked to make a, quote, pie. And he would put everything on there. Oh, And, wow. like, the hot dog isn't even there anymore, you know? It's just a <laughs> plate of chili and cheese. <laughs> Don't know if he still eats them that way. Actually, he's vegetarian, so no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you you can have a, a veggie dog and veggie chili. This is true. This is true. I should investigate more. Oh, and as to the question of, is it a sandwich? It depends on your definition of a sandwich. It does. Even uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that, so... Next question. Moving on. Before we move on, though, um, I I do have official word from the aforementioned National Hot Dog and Sausage Council (laughs) about their official policy on the hot dog as a sandwich controversy. As a sandwich controversy. Okay. What's the official word? May I quote? Absolutely. Limiting the hot dog's significance by saying it's just a sandwich is like calling the Dalai Lama just a guy. Perhaps at one time its importance could be limited by forcing it into the larger sandwich category, no disrespect to Rubens and others, but that time has passed. We therefore choose to take a cue from a great performer and declare our namesake be Hot Dog Formerly Known as a Sandwich. Wow. They brought in the Dalai Lama to a hot dog fight. And Prince! I'm... It's... You know... When well, you're the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, you've got to have a sense of humor about a thing. That's true. <laughs> that is true. They, uh, well, the official word is there. I suppose controversy over. Yeah. More about that name, though. Yes. Oh. Um, okay. So the name Hot Dog has a long, stumped historian's. One story goes that while at Manhattan's Polo Grounds in 1901, New York Evening Journal cartoonist Tad Dorgan was enjoying some Red Hots and or Frankfurters and got the idea for a cartoon involving a dachshund in a role. But he had trouble spelling dachshund, so he went with hot dog instead. Most likely not true. <laughs> uh, another story has to do with a New Jersey vendor named Thomas Francis Xavier Morris in 1892. He was a Caribbean black man who went by the name Hot Dog Morris. There's a sprinkling of early mentions of hot dog coming out of New Jersey, so it's possible the term was coined in Jersey. In Rhode Island, hot dogs are apparently called hot wieners. People in Plattsburgh, New York might call them Michigans. Is this true? I'm asking listeners, is this true? I, yeah. I find it very odd. If, if, you, if you call hot dogs Michigans... Let us know. Yes, please. Michigan, let us know how you feel about this, too. Yeah, because you you need to have a say. I, right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's talk about how hot dogs are made. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, they can be made a lot of ways. Because yes. what's in them can vary pretty widely. The, mm-hmm. the term hot dog is a little bit all-encompassing, as as we have been discussing. So depending on the manufacturer and how inexpensive or expensive the final product is going to be, you've got a lot of options for ingredients and process. But the basic procedure goes like this. You grind meat, mix it with your seasonings, a little bit of binding stuff, uh, uh, 
If you're doing them at home, you might use something like ground oatmeal or flour or egg white, plus a little bit of water or ice for texture. Um, pipe that mixture into a natural or artificial casing, maybe cure or smoke them, pre-cook them, and then package them for storage. That's a simple version. Mm-hmm. On a factory floor, you're probably looking at a number of, uh, of cost-saving measures, yeah? The, the meat that you use is going to be trimmings, uh, stuff left over after desirable cuts of meat have been butchered out of cattle, pigs, and maybe chicken. Um, sometimes variety meats like hearts and other organs are going to be in the mix. All those meats are ground, uh, mixed together in particular proportions, and then mixed in with your seasonings, probably binding agents like modified starch, dried milk, soy proteins, or sodium phosphate, and preservatives like nitrates or uh, sodium diacetate. Uh, the sweetener is probably going to be corn syrup. Nitrates will provide a pinkish color to the meat, as they do in spam and corned beef, uh, but other coloring may be added as well. The whole caboodle is then pureed and emulsified with water or ice to create a completely smooth consistency. That mixture is then pumped into a casing via a machine that can twist the casing off every few inches, uh, however long each hot dog is supposed to be, you know? Um, and yes, even skinless hot dogs are generally produced this way. They'll just have their, their casing made of uh, inedible cellulose removed before they are packaged. So this forms these, these long linked chains of hot dogs that could be hung on racks. And uh, they might be smoked over smoldering wood or sprayed down with liquid smoke. They're then cooked in an oven, water-cooled back down to packaging temperature. Uh, skinless dogs are peeled. Dogs and casings are cut into individual links. And then they're packaged. The show How It's Made with a Science Channel visited a John Morrill factory. Morrell? I'm not sure. Where their production line can tube up about 200 meters, that's about 660 feet of hot dogs every 35 seconds. They can peel the tubing off of about 700 hot dogs per minute, and they produce 300,000 an hour for a total of about 2.5 million hot dogs per shift. Oof. So that's how the sausage gets made. <laughs> yeah. Legally, in the United States, the finished product must be no more than 30% fat and 10% added water. There you go. What about nutrition? Uh, processed meat that contains added fat and preservatives like nitrates, it's generally not the best for you. Yeah. Um, your typical hot dog has about 80% of its calories from fats. They are a good source of protein and contain a smattering of minerals and vitamins. Um, researchers are still looking into the effects of nitrates, though, on the human body. Preliminary results indicate that we should limit our exposure, mm-hmm. which the average American is apparently not doing. No. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some hot dog numbers. Yeah. Each year, that average American consumes about 60 hot dogs. Six, zero, 60 I find that stunning. I probably have maybe two a year. Maybe. Yeah, that's about right for me. But we are outliers, it seems. Yeah. Uh, Most hot dog consumption happens during the summer between Memorial Day and Labor Day, a lot of them as an outside grilling food. Hot dog season is a thing. July is National Hot Dog Month. They get a whole month. They get a whole month. I don't know why I was so outraged by that. (laughs) (laughs) How dare these hot dogs in an entire month. Um, And speaking of (laughs) eating a lot of hot dogs, 
Got to talk about hot dog eating contest very briefly. Sure. One of the first things I think of when it comes to hot dogs is hot dog eating contest. Um, hot dogs are the food I most associate with competitive eating. And Nathan's hot dog eating contest is in its 102nd year. Wow. Ten minutes, as many hot dogs as contestants can down, broadcast live on ESPN. <laughs> ESPN, with up to 2 million viewers and 40,000 live spectators. The reigning champ holds the record at 73 hot dogs. That's 12,000 calories in 10 minutes, hmm. if you're wondering. Maybe this is what's skewing those hot dog numbers. You for think? The, for the, I mean, for the average American. Maybe. Because there are a lot of hot dog eating contests. It's always worth looking into your hot dog numbers <laughs> and knowing where they're coming from. <laughs> right. Well, we'll we'll come back to that at a we later will. date. <laughs> but first, we're going to talk some hot dog history. But first, first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
the all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Like most American foods, the hot dog's history goes way back and is a mashup of foods and traditions from all over. The sausage, a key component for most hot dogs, if we're talking hot dog history and development, goes all the way back to 9th century BCE Greece. It's one of the first recorded examples of processed food. Take this quote from Homer's The Odyssey. As when a man besides a great fire has filled a sausage with fat and blood and turns it this way and that and is very eager to get it quickly roasted. That sounds like my camping experience. Oh, absolutely. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, the person most often credited with the invention of the sausage came about a bit later in 1st century CE, one Gaius, the chef of Roman Emperor Nero Claudius Caesar. At the time, it was common practice to starve a pig a week before eating it, um, sort of to, like, clear it out. Okay. All sort right. Cleansing. Um, one such pig came out. But to Gaius's keen eye, he suspected the pig had not been properly prepared. He cut up the pig's stomach to take a look, and out popped a perfectly hollow intestines. Oh. Um, allegedly, he said, I have discovered something of great importance. And he filled a mixture of ground venison and beef, wheat and spices inside the intestines, and then tied off the ends to make, potentially, the first wiener. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Jumping ahead to 7th century, we get perhaps the first mention of a necklace made of sausages, <laughs> or more accurately, a string of sausages. And I have seen these in the wild. That's why I, ch- I chuckle at beer festivals. Yeah, people wearing. Oh, yeah, and you eat it, like, slowly as you drink more beer. I usually do the pretzel version, uh. which is a string, and you have pretzels on them, and then you just eat the pretzels. I've definitely seen that. Oh, I've seen a sausage one. It is much rarer, much rarer. But it does exist. It does exist. Um, the mention comes from the, the book, The Life and Miracles of Simeon the Fool. Quote, For sometimes when Sunday came, he took a string of sausages and wore them as a deacon stole. In his left hand, he held a pot of mustard, and he dipped the sausages in the mustard and ate them from morning on. And he smeared mustard on the mouths of some of those who came to joke with him. <laughs> Wherefore, also a certain rustic who had leucoma in his two eyes came to make fun of him. Simeon anointed his eyes with mustard. (laughs) The man was nearly burned to death, and Simeon said to him, Go wash, idiot, with vinegar and garlic, and you will be healed immediately. (laughs) As it seemed a better thing to do, he ran immediately to the doctor instead and was completely blinded. Finally, in a mad rage, he swore in Syriac, by the God of heaven, even if my two eyes should suddenly leap from their sockets, I will do whatever the fool told me. And he washed himself as Simeon told him. Immediately his eyes were healed, clear as when he was born, so that he honored God. <laughs> then the fool came upon him and said to him, Behold, you are healed, idiot. 
Never again steal your neighbor's goats. That was the moral of the story. Oh, perfect sense. It does. I mean, right? Sausage necklace, mustard in the eyes, don't steal goats. Just don't steal goats, guys. That's <laughs> can't be clearer than that. That's our food stuff uh, lesson of the episode. Right. Yeah. Don't steal goats. Another jump skip hop ahead to 1484 to Frankfurt, Germany, when allegedly the Red Hot came to be. Nope. Kidding. It was the Frankfurter. <laughs> <laughs> that makes more sense. It does, doesn't it? That's the story Frankfurt is going with anyway. They celebrated the hot dog's 500th birthday in 1987. It wasn't until 1852, though, that the Frank, the fatty, thick sausages, were being churned out in Germany when the Frankfurt's Butcher's Guild came out with a thinly cased, spiced, smoked sausage they called Frankfurter. The curved shape, allegedly, was one of the butcher's ode to his popular dachshund. Okay? <laughs> um, or maybe not. Of course, a lot of legend surrounds the hot dog. Another version of this story is that the Frank, sometimes known as the Little Dog, or Dachshund Sausage, was the invention of a butcher out of Coburg, Germany, who made the journey to Frankfurt to sell his creation. And yet another take is that sometime around 1805, an expert sausage maker out of Frankfurt traveled to Vienna, Austria, which was called Wien, um, and started to make sausages that he called the Wiener Frankfurter, or more colloquially as the Wienerwurst. Wurst is the German word for sausage. Sure. Mm -hmm. Now, we're still not quite talking about a hot dog yet. Not until one of these sausages, however they came to be, was ensconced in a bun. Probably, I would guess, this happened pretty soon after the sausage became available. But some historians think maybe it didn't occur until the 1860s in New York City's Bowery area when German immigrants sold hot dogs, sauerkraut, and milk rolls. And then if we look at St. Louis, 1880, a German immigrant named Futwanger sold hot dogs from his cart that were so hot when purchased, they came with white gloves so customers wouldn't burn their hands. However, this wasn't great for his profit margin, so his wife came up with the idea to do away with the gloves and instead place the hot dog in a split bun. Futwanger had a brother who just so happened to be a baker, and he custom-made a longer bun that would fit the sausages, hence the hot dog bun. With this most holiest hot dog bun matrimonial ceremony, I don't know, sure. the hot dog was born. Ah. <laughs> and they were called Red Hots. In 1886, author H.L. Mencken wrote, I devoured hot dogs in Baltimore way back in 1866, and they were then very far from newfangled. They contained precisely the same rubber, indigestible pseudo-sausages that millions of Americans now eat, and they leaked the same flabby, puerile mustard. <laughs> flabby mustard? Dang. Their single point of difference lay in the fact that their covers were honest German Vec made out of wheat flour baked to crispiness and not the soggy rolls prevailing today of ground acorns, plaster of Paris, flecks of bath sponge, and atmospheric air all compact. Oh, that whole processed bread anger movement. Yeah. Keeps coming back to us. It, it does. Uh, that's, some, that's some harsh... Harsh criticism right there. Sausages were a popular item at the 1893 Chicago World's Fair, a.k.a. the Columbian Exposition. 
Buffalo, New York's 1901 Pan Exposition had frankfurters available for purchase. However, these bad boys would run you $9 in today's money. What? And this might have been sans bun. Oh, my goodness. Just for the sausage. Wow. I suppose around these parts, hot dog, you can find a pretty expensive hot dog. I, yes. I have not paid that much for one, but I'm sure that someone has. Oh, absolutely. 1893 could have also been the year that the connection between hot dogs and baseball games got its start with Chris Vonda Ah, owner of a local St. Louis bar and the St. Louis Major League Baseball team, the Browns. He wanted something to pair with his beer. Why not sausages? Why not? He sounds like an interesting dude. He uh, bought the baseball team to promote his bar. Interesting marketing strategy. Okay, yeah. Um, if that gives you any idea. But again, there's no evidence that these sausages were served in buns. So if that's not the first baseball game with the hot dog, what is? Well, here's yet another, and yet another that has to do with the polo grounds in New York City. It was a cold day at a Giants baseball game, and a fellow working at the concession stand, Harry Mosley Stevens, realized he was losing money from cold sodas and ice cream. Nobody wanted something cold. So he went on the hunt for a hot food substitute, and he sent one of his coworkers on a mission to buy up all the dachshund sausages he could get, quote, his hands on, and um, rolls to stuff them in. Less than an hour later, vendors were walking around shouting, they're red hot! Get your dachshund sausages while they're red hot! <laughs> However, Stevens himself has disputed this claim, but I'm not sure I buy his story. He said, I have been given credit for introducing the hot dog to America. Well, I don't deserve it. In fact, at first, I couldn't see the idea. It was my son, Frank, who first got the idea and wanted to try it on one of the early six-day bicycle crowds at Madison Square Garden. I told Frank that the bike fans preferred ham and cheese. He insisted that we try it out for a few days, and at last, I consented. His insistence has all Americans eating hot dogs. Huh. Yeah, we all know the bicycle crowds prefer ham and, ham and cheese, cheese sandwich. That's just well known. Well, until you gave them a hot dog, and then they were like, well, I guess this will do. This is better. I don't know why the bicycle crowds are so haughty in my mind. <laughs> The bicycle crowds. Hmm. Um, if that's not the story, then, well, here's another one. Um, and it's also out of St. Louis, Missouri, but from 1903. Adolf Goering had run out of his standard concessions during a game, so he went to find some bread, but the local baker only had long dinner rolls left. Goering brought them up and bought up some sausages, cooked them up, and walked around the stadium selling meat sandwiches. Allegedly, one man shouted, give me one of those damn hot dogs. <laughs> that sounds like something you'd hear at a game today. It does. <laughs> <laughs> there are some records that indicate um, hot dog carts, also called dog wagons, would camp outside of college dorms on the northeast coast in 1894 and 1895. Very smart, in oh, my yeah. opinion. The nickname Dog Wagon was bad news, however. It was a uh, slight on the quality of meat and the rumor that there might be dog meat in the mix. Um, Yale's college paper published this poem in 1895. "'Tis dog's delight to bark and bite, thus does the adage run, but I delight to bite the dog when placed inside a bun." <laughs> yeah, very nice. Food poetry. <laughs> Here's a big moment in hot dog history. In 1867, German baker, or maybe butcher, 
Charles Robert Feltman opened up Coney Island's first hot dog stand. His grandson claims it was a way to sell more of his baked goods by offering the sausage, and that in the first year, his grandfather sold over 3,600 hot dogs in its first year. Another take on this story is that Feltman had a pie wagon. Oh, my gosh. I want a pie wagon so badly. I don't know why we don't have one. We could be the first. (laughs) We could be the first. I'm sure there's a pie wagon out there. There's got to be. If I believe in anything, there's got to be a pie wagon. (laughs) Um, And Feltman went around delivering pies to inns and saloons, but he kept getting requests for hot sandwiches. Since his cart was small, he had to come up with a creative, space-saving, easy solution, and that solution was sausage served in a warm bun. Whatever Feltman did, it worked. By the early 1900s, he sort of had his own monopoly block on Coney Island's Surf Avenue, setting up nine restaurants in ten blocks on top of an inn and a beer garden, a bathhouse rides, among a lot of other things. By the time Feltman's death in 1910, he left behind a business at one time valued over a million dollars, and by 1920, his Ocean Pavilion had served over five million customers. All of this got its start with hot dogs. Allegedly. Then came the Great Depression in the 1930s, and Feltman's business took a real hit. It went under in 1954, but was later bought up and resurrected as Feltman's Astro Park. It opened in 1962 as Astroland Park. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the Coney Island story you were expecting, though, was it? Nope. Let's talk about Nathan's. One of Feltman's workers was a Jewish-Polish immigrant named Nathan Handwerker. He started out in 1915 slicing the hot dog buns for the grillers to fill with sausage. Some sources say that in his youth, Handwerker slept on the kitchen floor and ate only free hot dogs, saving up his $11 a week salary until, after a year's worth of work, he had squirreled away $300. I bet you can guess what he did with the money. But we're going to tell you anyway. (laughs) He opened a competing hot dog stand. His hot dogs were half the price, five cents, as compared to Feltman's ten cents. Ooh. Mm -hmm. A year later, in 1916, Nathan and his wife Ida came together to give the world its so-called largest hot dog purveyor, Nathan's Famous Inc. It's start. Nathan was quite paranoid or worried, maybe maybe worried is a better word, um, about people stealing his recipes. So he used two separate spice providers. In order to combat health concerns, he gave local nurses and doctors free hot dogs. And once said of his hot dog diet, I'll gladly wrestle anyone who's been living on caviar and champagne for 39 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there are so many alternate claims, claims to this story. Um, so here's another one. Angry that Feldman raised his price of his francs, a local singing waiter and his piano accompaniment gave Nathan a loan of $320 to open a competing restaurant. That's what it says in his obituary. The Coney Dog, topped with chili and or ground beef, didn't appear in directories from in directories from New York City until 1920, though many claim to have invented it before then. It was probably an addition from a Greek immigrant. Um, And one of the early waitresses at Nathan's, Clara Botanelli, was, quote, 
discovered while working there. And if you don't recognize the name, she changed it to Claire Bow. And um, she was one of the stars of the silent film era of the 1920s. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Legend and the Nathan's website <laughs> has it that on July 4th, 1914, four immigrant friends met at the original Nathan's hot dog stand in Coney Island. I've eaten there! Ah, and decided that the best way to settle a competition of who was the most patriotic was to see who could eat the most hot dogs. <laughs> Whatever the case, the first recorded contest was in 1972. Nathan's now has more than 300 restaurants, and it's an international company. In 1936, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile took to the streets for the first time. The first patent for hot dog mobiles <laughs> appeared a decade earlier in 1926. <laughs> We here at uh, How Stuff Works get very excited when we see the uh, the Wienermobile. It's oh. happened twice that I can remember. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's like a it's not quite like a running screaming through the office thing, but it's definitely like a oh 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 everyone come point and stare. Yeah, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of um in those Christmas movies when all the kids are like looking at the new toy through the glass because we're usually like all up at on the glass just looking at it. Yeah. And for those who don't know, it's just a big, it's a car that looks like a hot dog. It's a big hot dog driving around. If if you've never witnessed this, look up pictures. It's pretty brilliant. It is. In 1939, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, um, wanting to treat visiting King George VI um, to an American meal, provided Nathan's hot dogs at a picnic at their home in Hyde Park in New York. The choice made the front page of the New York Times. It caused such a fuss that even before the event, Eleanor Roosevelt wrote, Oh, dear, oh, dear. So many people are worried that the dignity of our country will be imperiled by inviting royalty to a picnic, particularly a hot dog picnic. <laughs> my mother-in-law sent me a letter which begs that she control me in some way. In order to spare my feelings, she has written on the back a little message, only one of many such. She did not know, poor darling, that I have many such right here in Washington. Let me assure you, dear readers, that if it is hot, there will be no hot dogs, and even if it is cool, there will be plenty of other food, and the elder members of the family and the more important guests will be served with due form formality. <laughs> and because I'm an antagonist, I'm going to include this fact. Um, the king dug them so much, he asked for seconds of this delightful hot dog sandwich. Um, and the queen asked, the queen asked, how do you eat this? <laughs> Fair question. It is. Corn dogs started appearing at fairs sometime in the 1940s. And 1949 may have been the first appearance of veggie dogs, uh, then branded meatless wieners and sold in a can under the brand Worthington Foods, which got into the meat analog or, or meatless meat business in the late 1930s after having been inspired by a meat alternative product called Protos out of the Battle Creek Ford Company, created by John Harvey Kellogg. If I could curse on this show, <laughs> I would let loose a string of expletives. <laughs> Hang like a cloud over the studio for years to come. <laughs> anyway, uh, these first veggie dogs were, uh, were made with, uh, with mixtures of soy and wheat gluten um, and flavored the way that meat hot dogs would be. Um, they were rebranded as Vegalinks in 1954. 
In the early 2000s or 20-teens, researchers started looking into making hot dogs with olive oil instead of with uh, fat from pork, beef, or chicken, olive oil being an unsaturated fat and therefore somewhat healthier. Uh, last I could find, they were working on the texture of these olive oil-based hot dogs. And in 2018, uh, hot dogs made another headline when a vendor at the Vancouver Car Free Day Festival was selling hot dog water. A fancy glass bottle filled with water with a real hot dog in it for $28 US per bottle. Signs at the booth indicated that the benefits of this hot dog water was that it's keto compatible, lose weight, increase brain function, look younger, increase vitality. It was actually a joke to, to promote due skepticism in nutrition claims that the fine print on, on the signs read, Hot dog water in its absurdity hopes to encourage critical thinking related to product marketing and the significant role it can play in our purchasing choices. But uh, they sold at least 60 liter bottles. Hmm. Whether those people got the joke and were like helping pay the creator back for his like $1,000 worth of costs or whether they literally bought it. Who can say? Who can say? I would wager at least one person bought it to take the picture and, like... Oh, sure. Just, yeah, Instagram, Instagrammable food. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it, that's very well done because when um, I was first reading that, I was like, oh, this sounds like some some health claim out of the 1800s or something. Yeah. So very well done. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just, oh, the image of someone trying to drink that is... Quite comical. Right, because, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe there's like a filter that uh, at the top of the bottle that keeps the hot dog in its place. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of questions. I have many questions, but alas, alack, very few answers when it comes to hot dog water. That's the tragedy of it. <laughs> it's really the human condition. It really is. I think it's a <laughs> metaphor for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that is our our hot dog roundup. Um, there is so much like competing history to go through. Yeah. I'm sure probably you listeners, especially in big hot dog cities, I bet there are like local legends tales. Oh sure, yeah, um, yeah. This this is a brief overview which I laugh in the middle of the phrase because it's hilarious to me. But, yeah, if you if you have any um, amazing hot dog legends, then write in and tell them, tell them to us. Um, speaking of writing in, we're going to have some listener mail in just a moment. But first, we're going to have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here 
and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from their passion fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, it's time now for... Listener Mail! I tried to do it like a firework. That was my firework motion. It was. No one can see it, but believe me, there was an explosion (laughs) of arms. There was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay, so both of these messages we're sharing today came to us via Facebook. You can always send us a message on Facebook. Um, The first one is from Leah. She said, hello, still loving your show. Hi, Leah. Food is something so magical. It nourishes us, comforts us, and brings us together. I used to be a pastry chef, but back injury caused a career change for me. The positive side is I now have more balance and get to do a lot of volunteer work. I'm a giant nerd and love superheroes and Disney, so I use that job to bring joy. I dress as Supergirl or Belle and visit children's hospitals, at-risk youth, and children's homes. There's a sweet little girl that I started visiting about a year ago after her first brain surgery at age three. She had an additional three brain surgeries within a few months to remove a particularly stubborn tumor. The tumor is now gone, but so is her eyesight. I visit her fairly often, always in costume, because she is very bright and can tell if I don't have a cape or my wig on. I always bring activities and focus on what she can do. One time I found scented Play-Doh, and we made a whole Play-Doh dessert table with it. 
My all-time favorite visit, I came with everything we needed to make chocolate chip cookies. I had her feel, smell, and taste all the different ingredients and stages of mixing. She even cracked an egg in the bowl with no shells, which is pretty impressive considering she can't see. Uh, Also pretty impressive because I can hardly do that. Yeah. Um, I let her choose which candies to put in the cookies so that she could make them her own official recipe. She named them teamwork cookies since we did them as a group, and they included many chocolate chips, Reese's Pieces, white chocolate chips, and rainbow sprinkles. Oh. She had so much fun and started helping her mom bake any chance she gets, including Father's Day muffins recently. I know this is a rather long story, but I wanted to share with you about how sharing a recipe helped this wonderful little girl on a day that started off with her being rather upset that she could not see. Although I went to culinary school, did multiple competitions, and cooked in many fine dining establishments— Sometimes for celebrities, those little cookies are the absolute favorite thing I've gotten to make with someone. I love your show and hope that it ignites more interest in food and cooking in a generation that is more interested in ready-made items. I believe it also goes to show that anyone can cook, even a little girl who no longer has the gift of sight, can take that from the things she can't do to the things she can do. Oh. Yeah. And she shared pictures, and they were very adorable. It's very cute. And the cookies sound amazing. They do. Teamwork cookies. Yeah. Ah. Um, Rebecca wrote, I recently listened to the episode on crawfish slash crayfish. Being born in Sweden, I thought I'd write and tell you about the annual crayfish parties we host in August in Sweden. August is the time of year when it's most ideal to fish for crayfish in Scandinavia, and it also marks the end of summer in a way. My family have the tradition of putting out the crayfish traps early afternoon and then stay up to go harvest about every three hours until dawn. Two days later, we cook the crayfish with lots of dill and organize a big party for friends and family. We dress warm to sit outside, put on hats and bibs, and pair our crayfish with snaps, uh, Swedish shots. We also sing songs and decorate our gardens with lanterns and candles. This is the celebration that marks the end of summer as the midsummer celebration marks the beginning of summer in Sweden. If you're not too keen on catching your own crayfish, you can always buy them frozen in the supermarket and pretend. Either way, the party is one of my favorite celebrations. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, she also sent pictures, and they were also – it looked really fun and delicious. And we heard from um, a couple of listeners from Sweden who who were like, August is the time you do crayfish crawfish, <laughs> not this other time you're talking about. <laughs> so slight difference there in crawfish season. Absolutely. But, but enjoyable either way. Yes. Oh, thank you so much to both of them for writing in. If you would like to, uh, you can do that too. Yes, our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at foodstuffhsw, also on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
Com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.